to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast, episode 77. We made it to the the holiest of numbers, right? No? I think maybe it's triple seven. Triple seven? Is triple seven? <laughs> is that a joke? I don't know. Of course it is. Well, the, well, the number seven is very important, right? Oh, yeah. And the number three is very important. I think triple seven is pretty important. Well, then we should have done something for episode 73. Uh, my name is Max Terman. I am your moderator. And with me this week is Associate Pastor Bill Calvin. Whoa. Confusing. <laughs> and Worship Director Scott Reed. This is a mini episode, so I don't even have any notes in front of me. And immediately I'm off the rails. So it just goes to show. Immediately I forget who Bill Calvin is. I started, I was looking at Scott and I said, associate. And I was like, he's not the associate anything. So I was True. like, I guess we're introducing Bill first. Not even a Wheaton right. associate. You're not even, I am. <laughs> I know. I'm Wheaton associate, Max Terman. Uh, Scott, take it away. Give us some would you rather. You don't want to pray? Oh, my word. This is what happens when I don't have my notes. What is wrong with me? Well, I'll, let me, I'll pray. All right. Okay. I haven't prayed in the history of the show. God, thank you so much um, for this room, uh, for this, this church, and just the chance um, for us to gather together and uh, praise your name. Father, I just pray that you would uh, be with all of our listeners wherever they are right now when they're listening. Uh, we are temporal, um, but you are beyond time. God, would your words speak for us and would your Holy Spirit control our minds and our, our thoughts and our words today? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, since I have no idea what I'm doing, Scott. <laughs> I don't really have any idea what I'm doing either. Good. For the listeners out there, wherever you are. Wherever you are. Whenever wherever you are. are. Whenever time To Scott's period. daughter, who's listening right now at the young age of eight, Aww. having just stumbled upon this on Spotify. <laughs> 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 That's... It's totally viable. Can you believe who's president right now? It's crazy <laughs> in the year 2035, 33. Well, I don't know. Why not? <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, so I just, uh, this week, Bill, Pastor Bill and Daniel Reem and myself went to the district conference for our denominations, uh, district, which is Illinois and Indiana. It's the Midwest district and, uh, the Hope Center. For those of you who may not know this, because I think that's probably a lot of you, the Hope Center used to be the office of kind of the district team, hmm. and they moved to Indianapolis, and they had the the conference at the new district office, which is really nice, but also three and a half hours away. Um, so we went Monday morning, and we were and Bill was there through Wednesday noonish. And then Daniel and I stayed for an extra 24 hours for a peacemaker's training, which was very good. And I just got back about 10 minutes ago. So my brain is not at its best. We're right there. And I haven't had any time to think about this. So I just have three cards. I got no plan. Let's just make it happen. Max, would you rather be in the middle of the ocean in a raft during a typhoon or tied to a post in the middle of cornfield when a twister touches down? Oh, the post. Yeah, at least you have a chance. You got a chance in the post, but I mean, the raft is not, because even if the raft survives, I'm not. But if, if the post is going, I'm going. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> well, the way I see it is like, even if you fall off the post, you're fine. <laughs> you're just going to land on the ground. <laughs> I suppose that's If you true. fall off the raft, yeah. you got some problems. You got some sharks to deal with at that point. Yeah, Typhoon got, sharks. The bottomless depths of the ocean. Hmm. Scott doesn't uh, like the ocean. I don't like open ocean, the dark, the deep, the deep. The, I don't like the underneath the water part of the ocean. Getting I baptized like, was a harrowing experience. I like, I like the above part of the water. Were you, were you, uh, immersed for your baptism? Yeah. How old were you when you went? Um, I was 
19. Bill, how old were you when you got baptized? 21. 21. Okay. I think I was 15 and I, I was just by, by, uh, not intention. Uh, <laughs> just by, uh, yeah. Dripping. Dripping. Sprinkling. Sprinkling. Thank you. Dripping. <laughs> I was uh, immersed by dripping. Um, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't been baptized yet and there wasn't really like a good reason, but I had like this weird resistance to it. I think part of it was that I didn't want to do it in front of everybody at the church. Cause that's like how it worked at our church. That's how it works at most churches. Yeah. But, uh, you had to like give your testimony and, and so pretty similar to here. Yeah. Um, but I just, I was averse to that. And, uh, so we did it in your bathtub. So I, I just jumped in the swimming pool and said, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> um, no. So I was in Israel. Um, oh, that's right. And, uh, and we were doing this, we went to the Jordan river and, uh, our guide, who was also, I, I think, some kind of reverend, um, <clears throat> we did sort of like a <laughs> Maharishi. <laughs> we did. I can't remember. It's, it was sort of like a kind of like rededicating our vows because most of the people in the group had been baptized. But I was like, if you want to kind of like rededicate, you know, you can and do this. And I was like, well, I'm not going to get baptized now. I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, so I, I got baptized then. Cool. Uh, yeah, that's cool. No, you know, sure. My story is pretty similar. Our church did not have a baptistry. Oh, wow. So we didn't have that many baptism services. But I was in Israel for a class in school. Yeah. And it was really a tour. So I signed up to be baptized oh. in the Jordan River. Yeah. It was wonderful. How many, I had no idea. How many people in this church have been baptized in the Jordan River? <laughs> I don't know. I, we'll I have to know. ask. Ooh. Listeners, if you have been baptized in the Jordan River or know someone who was, write into podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. I know Mickey really wanted to be baptized in the Jordan River, but then I think at some point pragmatism took over and he's like, I just got to get baptized. I just got to get baptized. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, there you have it. Next question. I wouldn't mind being baptized in a monsoon. I think this is a very easy question, Bill, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, Would you rather be able to live 400 years but be physically aged at 70 for the last 330 of them or live only 150 years but look and feel reasonably young throughout? Hmm. I'll take the second one. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I don't even know if I want to live 400 years I at all. I don't want to live 400 I, years. I don't even know if I want to live 94. I'm watching my dad. And, <laughs> wow, this is work. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Like 150, like, I mean, you would still have to deal with the fact that literally everyone else you know is going to die. constantly dying. Um, but at least, you know, at least in the midst of that, you're not dealing with, with ailing health. Yeah, for sure. I like I'm, it in that there's, there's no third option of like none. It's like, you're yeah, going to live really long. Them. Sorry, yeah. bud. Uh, and would I rather be trapped alone in the mountains with no chance of hiking out or be trapped in a deserted tropical island? Wow. Um, does that mean that I'm stuck there forever? Or does that mean that if I get off, it's going to have to be because someone saved me? Uh, I think probably the second one. I'd definitely go with the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a reason why you'd choose a desert island. Is it deserted or desert? Deserted. Okay. So it could be like Hawaii. Hmm. As, but there's no one there. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> gone. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I'm sure the buffets will hold up for at least a couple weeks. All that spam. <laughs> All that spam. It doesn't go bad. Yeah. Wow. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I explained it at the top of the show. Uh, because um, of a number of factors, today is a mini episode. Uh, so we're going to take a mini dip into a thousand and one things mm-hmm. you always wanted to know about the Bible but never thought to ask by Dr. J. Stephen Lang. So many, I don't even have a joke about it. Uh, Scott, will you give me a number between one and a thousand and one? 
Yeah, either last week at the podcast or just sometime kind of recently, I had like a specific thought. I'm like, oh, we should do that number. Okay. And I forgot. Was it 77? <laughs> no. We haven't done any sub Let's do numbers. 77. That sounds like time. a good idea. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. I wish I could remember what the number was. It might I, have been, maybe it was my birthday. Or maybe it was, who knows? Uh, this comes to us from the section, In America. <clears throat> number 77, Abraham Lincoln. 1809 to 1865. Wait, real quick. Why in the world, in a thousand and one things about the Bible that you always want to know what right. I'm about to ask, is are we at America pre-100? Uh, well, <laughs> that, it starts just, with, let me read the sections. That I've just never, seems like wrong. I've never read the sections. That should in, be like the last thing, if any. So you have familiar phrases in America, people of the book, in English, angels, devils, and false gods, sins, crimes, and villains, people in groups, some miraculous highlights, some other highlights, notable people, history from papyrus to present, holy days and holidays, ideas, literature, theater, and movies, music and art, places, odds and ends, mostly fascinating. There's a lot of sections in this. There's yeah. a lot of sections. It's crazy. Uh, this is Abraham Lincoln, who does not appear in the Bible. Uh, America's 16th president, who died on a good Friday, was a devoted Bible reader, but never joined a church in a youth... Uh, in a youth of near poverty, the Bible was one of the few books Lincoln owned. When he became president, its words and phrases found their way into many of his speeches. Earlier, a broken engagement had caused him much pain, and Lincoln declared that his Bible was, quote, the best cure for the blues, end quote. Lincoln also said that, quote, this great book is the best gift God has given to man, end quote. When his wife, Mary, urged harsh measures for the defeated Confederacy, Lincoln quoted Jesus' words to her, quote, judge not, lest ye be judged. End quote. First of all, I did not know that the blues was something that people were saying in the mid 1800s. Uh, that phrase has been around for a long time. Um, but I think that kind of uh, is an interesting transition to a lot of presidents are sworn in on Lincoln's Bible. On Lincoln's Bible? I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Well, they, at least recently, they've done the, if they have a personal Bible, they do their own Bible. And then Lincoln's Bible on top or underneath mm. it. I'm like, right? It's like multiple Bibles. I don't know why. Good luck. I, I guess. <laughs> Just Scott, keep adding more. Were you the one who was saying recently, like, every president in yes. history has at least claimed to be a Christian? Yep. That's insane. I know. That's ridiculous. It's weird. There's no way that every president in history was a devoted Christian. I'm sure that's true. Well, but it was a political statement on their part. How are you going to get elected? Mm. You can't say, I am a devout Buddhist. <laughs> I mean, even <laughs> just get in. Look at the last two, right? Definitely some of the most divisive presidents in terms of sure. their qualifications and character. And, and Biden says he's a Catholic and Trump claimed to be some kind of Christian too. So mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. even them, uh, I'm assuming I'm pretty confident it'll, it'll start going kind of by the wayside as our, yeah. as our country kind of moves away from cultural Christianity. But yeah, yeah, at least up until this point, according to the book that I read. Should that we, as as Bible-reading Christians, I don't know what you want to call non-cultural Christians, should we, as Christians, uh, be, like, cynical about the use of, of Christianity in politics? It's definitely tempting to be very—and and maybe it's tempting because it's the right thing to do of, like, you know, unless somebody's policies or the way they behave or the way they actually, you know, the things that they say actually reference the Bible, like— consider them saying that they are a Christian in some vague sense to be just something worth ignoring? Well, I think all of us really are skeptical about it. Hmm. 
because very few politicians that have claimed to be Christians hold up under the pressure of it. Yeah. And then, too, there's this is going back a long way. Jimmy Carter was a devout Christian. Right. He taught Sunday school. He used the term born again freely. But he was a terrible president. He was one of, he might have been the very worst president in my lifetime. Mm. Everything just fell apart so fast when he was president. So that's no stamp saying, oh yeah, we gotta get a president that's Christian in there. Mm. Because people like me think, oh golly, not another Jimmy Carter. This is gonna be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Scott? Yeah, I, I think Bill Bill pretty much nailed it on the head. I it's worth I think it's worth knowing mm. that Assuming it's true, uh, go verify it for yourself. Um, but I think it's worth knowing that like every president has claimed to be Christian because I think, or claimed to be a Christian, um, yeah. because I think that like, you know, the, the American church and, and even our church, like would be pretty quick to, to decry and, and denounce a number of presidents. Yeah. We'll just leave it at that. Um, and so like, it's, it's important. I think it's important to know like, I think this is true. I mean, there, it's it's an individual. It's a it's a a personal, individual kind of case by case thing. But like, like this is a tool that's going to be used or that has been used on all sides. Yeah. Um, so like, just because you know, someone in your party comes along and says they're a Christian, like, doesn't necessarily. And I, you know, we don't want to be like super skeptical of everyone that says they're a Christian. Like, that's not a healthy way to live. But also, just like. Not allowing that to dictate alone hmm. what you think and, and how you respond um, for a slew of reasons. I mean, for one thing, then if they if you really believe it and they just you know do some make some horrible decisions, like not even just in terms of bad judgment, but like ethically, like that kind of causes some problems. And especially if you were like, oh, they're a Christian, like th this is the president, and then they do something, like, and then you're kind of in this weird position of like, mm. either do you continue to defend them or do you say like, I was wrong? Both the continuing to defend them is foolish, saying I was wrong is challenging. Yeah. So that's like one issue. Um, and then another issue is that they could do things, and, and if you're really kind of on the bandwagon, you might not even notice that what they're doing is, is not in line with what the scripture's saying because you got so excited that they were mm. they're Christian. So there's lots of reasons to be cautious. Sure. Um, to be cautious. And and uh, also remembering, yeah, like what Bill said about Jimmy Carter, that like, you know, a Christian's not necessarily going to lead our country forward in, in great ways. They might just not be a great leader, um, mm. which is an interesting an interesting position to be in. But ultimately, I guess I'll, I'll wrap up by saying like, we, we understand from the Bible that God establishes who's an authority. Yeah. And sometimes that's to bless the country that's being led. And sometimes that's to curse the country that's being led. And yeah. And if we trust in his sovereignty, then it doesn't matter who's in office because he put him there and he's going to have his way with our country. Right. And it's interesting that, you know, the kingdom of God is not a democracy. Right. Um, which is, which means that it's not always the easiest thing to like, to say, well, how should I operate in this republic? How should I operate in this democracy? How should I vote? What things should I be focused on when it comes to voting? Um, because ultimately, when the world is made new, we won't vote on anything. Um, but we right. will know what the right thing is because we'll see God perfectly. Um, and so I think that is like a whole nother level of challenge in that like no matter what, systems of government are made by people and people are broken. Um, and so all of a sudden it's like, well, do I support this person who claims to be a Christian? Do I support this person who's 
you know, I don't even know, like policies seem more in line with Christianity, but they are a staunch atheist or, you know, whatever. And, but I do think, uh, I love hearing about, you know, Abraham Lincoln and, and, you know, even Jimmy Carter. And I feel like I, I, George Bush was like, if I'm remembering correctly, W. Bush was a pretty big advocate of the Bible. And yeah, he was an outspoken Christian. Um, and some of the things, some of the statements that I've read by Barack Obama, like if they were political point scoring, they might've been, but like they're pretty theologically accurate about salvation um, and where yeah. it comes from and where it doesn't come from. I've seen some of that stuff too. Um, which is cool. And I pray that we can have people who are going, who are saved uh, and who know what matters in the world, like on both sides. Um, but well, uh, any other thoughts before we move on? My brain is empty. Let's get, <laughs> let's get into topic of the week. You better fill that brain up, Bill, because you are doing our sponsor for the week. That was like brushing your teeth, but on your ears, that, right? That hand motion. Uh, topic of the week this week is brought to you by what is it, Bill? Connection time. Connection time. Woo. Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. to 10:22 in the common grounds room. Come have a great breakfast. Meet people, and for 10 minutes, we're around tables, and we usually handle two or three questions. One of the neat ones last week was, tell of a time when you were poor and somebody helped you out. Wow. I was at the table listening to those talks. That, that was really neat. Mm. Yeah. How long has this been going for? Two weeks. Two weeks. And it's every Sunday when? Every Sunday, 10 a.m. to 10.22 a.m. Cool. It enables people who are bringing children to Sunday Kids Club to have an easy way into the life of the church, uh, eat breakfast, make a friend, sure. walk over to the service, because we could never expect them to just stand around and do nothing for a half hour. They're not going to do that. They're just going to leave. Hmm. So this is there's food. Oh yeah. There's talking. Food. Good food. It's it's fun. Nice. It's really fun. Yeah. Get into the ground level. Invest now, make millions. Yeah, if you want to donate to the connecting fund. Uh you guys for topic of the week this week, you guys both, as Scott mentioned at the top of the show, just got back from what is it exactly? District conference. The district conference. And I wanted to ask um each of you and uh, I didn't tell Scott this ahead of time, but Bill's had a little bit of a chance to stew on it. Like what the biggest takeaways are. And Scott, you were telling me before we started recording that you had a ton of ideas that came out of this, but I'm sure you're kind of in that processing. My brain is turned off. Uh, the Bill Calvin famous, my brain is empty mode. Um, but if you want to get those gears rolling, you can describe what exactly the district conference is. But I would love to hear like what some of those, like some of the encouraging things you heard, some of the cool things you heard, things that you'd like to try, even things that you'd like to try, but are possibly too beautiful for this world. Um, <laughs> like, you know, what were some of the, the things that, that stuck with you coming out of the, the district conference? Well, we prayed. It's called district prayer conference. Okay. You would assume, oh, they're praying like crazy. Not usually. Mm. It's really been a district business conference. Oh. And praying was way in the back seat. Maybe not even in the bus. I mean, it was <laughs> not something we practiced a whole lot, which is a, a shame. Mm. But this year, the, there was hardly any business at all. And it was a lot of praying, mm. a lot of worship, reflect. And it really helped me. It, it was wonderful. What were you guys praying about? 
a lot of it was simply connecting with God on an individual basis. Hmm. Just worship Him, talk to Him, listen to Him. Um, there were other things, too. I remember towards the end, we prayed for people who wanted healing. So they stood up, and then if you were sitting close to them, you walked over and mm. put your hand on their shoulder and prayed with them. It, it was well-orbed. I mean, we, we prayed for many, many things. Mm. And it's not usually like that? Sad to say, no. I was telling Scott one day when we were riding together, I said, you know, one year we had an entire day from like, eight or nine in the morning till 10 o'clock at night where we fasted and prayed. Okay. We're all in the same sanctuary the whole like 12, 14 hours. There was a man brought in from the outside to preach on revival and we were praying for revival. And the first sermon was phenomenal. I said to myself, where has this guy been? This is the greatest sermon I think I maybe have ever heard in my life. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> By the end of it, He's preaching, and I'm saying to myself, die, old man. <laughs> so tired and crabby. <laughs> We're all worn out. <laughs> so that really didn't go the way they planned, I don't no, think. No, I guess uh, not. <laughs> Scott, did you find yourself saying die, old man, at all this, this year? Uh, not in any ways that I can disclose. No, no I'm just kidding. Um, no, it was, it was, it was good. Um the first day, well, the first day, so we've got a new district superintendent. Okay. Um, so I feel like this is worth explaining because like, yes. I don't know how, I'm, I don't how know much about our, it for sure. our people in our congregation like really know about the structure of the alliance. But so first of all, here's something I know some people don't know about our church. We're a part of a denomination called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Yes, like, indeed. I, I know that Daniel got in a fight with someone about that once because they were convinced we were non-denominational, but that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> you ask him. He'll, <clears throat> yeah. he'll shout about it. Yeah. So we're part of this denomination. This uh, is Daniel Wright, is not Daniel Wright. Yeah. <laughs> is uh, over 100 years old, and it was founded not as a denomination, but as sort of a, a group of like-minded people who are committed to missions uh, by A.B. Simpson, uh, and then over time, it, it they got to the point where they realized, like, we really are a denomination, whether or not we like it, and um, and so it's always been committed to sending out missionaries, thus the Christian and Missionary Alliance, and, hmm. and you know, if you've been in our church for a few years, you know that we support a number of international workers, and um, and uh, so the American Alliance, because the Alliance is a global denomination, the American Alliance is comprised of various districts based off of your geographical region and our district is the midwest district illinois and indiana and f the the district is kind of overseen on a sort of administrative level it's it's not like a bishop um in uh, denominations that have such a structure but it's it's more of like a, a, again overseeing administratively offering resources and sometimes uh, accountability and discipline too but um so is overseen by the the district superintendent. Um, the district executive committee kind of holds him accountable, and so the district superintendent is uh, in their position for four year terms, up to three, mm -hmm. three max, three maximum. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thanks for bringing so, me into this, <laughs> right? And uh, so last year, uh, our district superintendent finished his third term. Uh, John Rich, and he retired. So now we've got a new district superintendent. His name is Bob Petty, uh, and he uh, was a part of the district 
team before that. And now he's the superintendent. So the first day he, he welcomed us, he introduced his team, um, and then some other things happened that I don't really remember. And then the second day, he's got two other like full-time team members and a number of part-time team members. And one of them is in charge of like church advance. Um, and one of them is in charge of church multiplication and oh. the licensing and ordination process. And so they taught, they kind of took the two halves of the day. So Marshall is one of them and Kurt is the other one. Marshall kind of talked in the morning about church advance and missions and then um, Kurt talked in the afternoon about multiplication and 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 licensing and ordination and consecration, and then um, Scott Mankey, who is a, a pastor, pastor missionary. It's kind of interesting. He's in Chicago, but like the way it's structured, he's like kind of a missionary. Um, he came up and talked about Chicago uh, because obviously Chicago is a huge part of the district in terms of need and population yeah. and everything. Um, and then uh, this not this morning, yesterday morning, we kind of wrapped up with. Bob coming back up and talking about um, sort of where we're going a little bit. We took communion together. As Bill said, there was a lot of worship, time, a time of worship, at least one every day and two on Tuesday, which was the one like full day that we had. Um, and then after we took communion and we did the prayer for healing time, um, we kind of wrapped up and most people left. And then about 20, 25 people stayed for the Peacemakers Conference, um, which is sort of about godly and biblical conflict resolution. Hmm. Um, and then that was where Daniel and I were for the last, were for the last 24 hours. And you said the Peacemakers Conference was really cool. It was. It was really cool. Um, this, there was three speakers, uh, two guys who, well, one guy, the guy who was like six, eight or whatever, his name is Nigel, and he's from Wales. Oh. And so he got up there and... And he starts talking. I'm like, oh, he's got an accent. Uh, also, he played basketball for like the Welsh national team or something. So he's, mm-hmm. he's got a, kind of a crazy story. But he's kind of started and he was really, he's like a transitional pastor. Okay. He's in his mid 60s. And so he'll go in to churches that are in transition and kind of lead them through that as they, you know, process a lot of times, process their problems and then, you mm-hmm. know, bring in the new person. And, uh, and then there was another guy named David who uh, recently kind of came over to the Alliance from Assemblies of God. Um, and he's probably in his fifties and then Babs Mullinax, who's, uh, one of the people on staff at the district office. And the three of them kind of took turns talking about peacemaking and, um, and conflict resolution. It was really good. Wow. Um, they, uh, there was like four, the four G's kind of, which is this process and it's, um, glorify God and get the log out of your own eye and, the third one is uh, gently restore, hmm. and the last one is go and reconcile or go and be reconciled. I can't remember. Uh, and so it's sort of this process of, you know, kind of really keeping God at the center, making sure that we're, you know, fully confessing our sins before Him, and that He's making aware of what we've done to this person, and owning our owning our stuff with this person, owning however much we we did to contribute to the issue, and then hmm. you know, going to them, restoring the relationship, and uh, seeking forgiveness, and and reconciling, and Wow. So, yeah. so what were you and Daniel going in to, to try and learn? So Daniel, I think he kind of brought it to me and maybe I can't remember who else was there, but it was like after a staff meeting, I don't know, a month or two ago. Uh, and he was like, would you guys be interested in this? Uh, and I think he was going pretty much just cause he's Daniel and he likes to learn. Yeah. Um, and he's a counselor and he's a counselor kind of coach or a coach. Yeah. And, uh, so I was like, that sounds pretty cool. 
Um, and so I just, I wanted to do it too. Uh, it apparently is now a requirement for their, the new ordination track, which I'm not on. Oh, wow. Um, I, I was able to grandfather in cause I was like a good way through the old track. Uh, so it wasn't required for me. Uh, it certainly wasn't required for Daniel, but, uh, just thought it'd be valuable. Yeah. Any other, like what other big, uh, you know, pos- positives or maybe negatives? I don't know. Like... <laughs> Any things that you heard that really like fired you up over the last couple of days? I don't know that I free to talk about it, but what fired me up was I was praying about a problem we have here at church, and I feel like God gave me a clear answer. So this is what you just should do. Really? So I'm really, really happy about that. Wow. Yeah. Um, How did He speak to you? Just while we were praying, close to that communion time. And it was very clear. And if I went into it, you'd just say, well, that's just logic. And it's like, well, sometimes you need God to clear up your head so that mm-hmm. you can have a little bit of logic. Yeah. There were things that Bob Petty said that I really liked. I should pass it back to Scott real quickly, but I'm going to mention one that was, okay, you see, we have this worship area, and it must seat at least 200 people, maybe 300. It was a full-blown sanctuary. He said, my dream is that you'll come with your worship team and collaborate with other worship teams. You can stay in the retreat house we're putting together right now and learn from one another. Mm. And then he talked about bring a new song. Why don't we create our own songs? Why do we get all of our songs from Australia? And he's like, yeah, you're right. It's not like we don't know how to read music around here. So... I thought, this is great. He wanted more collaboration than just music, but music was the one that really resonated with me. Hmm. Yeah. And he talked about it for, it seems like he has a kind of a passion for it because he dwelt on it. And it might have just been the example that was most at the forefront of his mind. I don't know, but he seemed to to really Hmm. kind of have a vision for that, which is neat. Um, It resonated with me because... We started a new service in Long Grove many years ago, and our band was just struggling. And we would watch this charismatic church band and how smooth they could do everything. And so we asked them, why don't you come and do like a workshop with us and teach us how you do this? And the they were happy to do it. They came, and then they led the worship that night, and we made friends with them. They did it at least once, but I think they came twice and, and their solutions for some of our problems, one of the problems was, how do you know when to repeat the refrain, repeat the chorus, say the last line one last time? Huh. How, do you, how do you know to do that? Because they're doing it just smooth as glass. And they said, well, we use a hand signal. I thought, oh, this is like baseball. So, <laughs> you know, one finger meant just do that last line one final time, and two fingers meant this, and three fingers. And so then you have a person that's designated who's leading all that, and you think, this is so easy. This is mm. great. So it immediately helped our worship time. And then it's something you can use the rest of your life. It's not like, well, this uh, expired. No, you get to keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. So so that's why I resonated with, yeah, if the worship teams collaborated, it would be awesome. It's mm really turbo learning you just get it so much faster that way yeah yeah scott um something that really stuck out to me um 
that I've been mulling over a lot is this idea of making disciples and uh, and what that looks like. And, and they had this young guy come up. I think his name is Ben, and he's mm. probably about our age, young pastor. And he's kind of in this church plant sort of set up, and he was talking about you know, how he had been discipling this young woman who in turn discipled this other person who then came to Christ and, and just a lot of, a lot of talk about discipling and, and Kurt, I think it was talked about like, you know, that it can be really easy to just kind of focus in on like Sunday mornings. Hmm. Um, and like, that's what church mm-hmm. is like, we're, you know, we're, we're Sunday morning people and we're getting ready for this Sunday morning time. And, and he said that someone kind of confronted him once and said, like, you're spending too much time preparing your sermon. Uh, and he's Ooh. like, and I was. And so it's just, just this really interesting mindset. And, and like, what, is it, what does it mean to make disciples? What does it look like to make disciples? And most importantly, what are we doing to make disciples? Hmm. Um, I think we can be doing more. Hmm. And uh, so I want to start working on that. Bill, what would you say is a disciple? Well, it's a person who's following Christ with some discipline. Disciple and discipline are the same root word. So a disciple takes on discipline in their lives. And some of the disciplines are real fundamental. They take on praying. They take on accountability. They take on the scriptures. But then they take on growth things such as I'm going to have a time of silence. might be for a whole day. I'm going to fast. I'm going to have a surge of praying, a prayer vigil. I'm going to serve, and I'm going to serve trying a new area altogether. This is really by faith. So disciples walk with Jesus, and they aren't only learners, but they are learners not just with printed words, but with with actions. Hmm. It's pretty easy to spot them. We, I spotted one last night that was really neat. While we were eating dinner, uh, Jimmy was at our table. Hmm. And he was talking about going to school. And so the conversation went to a COD. Why don't you take a class there? Well, he was completely unfamiliar with how college works. So Tracy was telling him, it's not that complicated, but somebody does need to explain it. So she's explaining it. So I, I just asked him, so Jimmy, what do you want to do? Gave me some kind of indication so that I asked him again, have you ever considered going into the ministry? And then his face just lit up. Hmm. Thought, All right. He says, oh, I would love to do that. That's, that's really where it's at. I'm just afraid to even say it out loud. I said, okay. Hmm. So... If you're thinking of going to the ministry, you don't really want to go to COD because they're not going to transfer all of your credits hmm. to a school that's preparing people for the ministry. They'll take some of them, but for instance, if you were to go to Moody, you would be getting a degree in Bible. No matter what you're doing, if you're getting a music degree, you're also getting a Bible degree. He says, oh, Moody. What, tell me about it. I said, well, Moody, there's no tuition. People have given the funds so that it's tuition-free. You only have room and board. So that got a whole new conversation going. But the fact that I could learn that, oh, he's really interested in the ministry. And then it got a little more refined. He said, I, 
I think he just pulled it up right on his phone. He says, I noticed they have aviation. I said, yes, they do. Huh. He says, so what's that like? I said, well, those people are phenomenal pilots because they're, they're going to fly between some trees and land on a little tiny airstrip in the jungle. He just, just lights up. He says, I would love that aviation. So it's missionary oriented aviation. I said, that's, that's the whole reason they do it is to help these missionaries. Huh. Yeah. He says, man, that's for me. <laughs> so that was the highlight of my night. Just seeing yeah. really alive and, and I know he's made some serious steps forward with Christ over the last few months. And mm -hmm. um, so there's a, there's a disciple that you can watch with your own eyes right here at church. Wow. Oh, it did my heart a lot of good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any, any other final takeaways from the last three grueling days of, I think you fasted the whole time, right? <laughs> Felt like it. <laughs> <laughs> the meals were all, I didn't have a chance to eat breakfast uh -huh. on Monday. And I had just run seven miles, and some of them were real fast miles. So my, the inside of my body is just saying, feed me. <laughs> so I hadn't eaten, and there was no lunch. So, so I'm making it all the way to supper. Well, by the time we get to supper, I am Jabba Hut. You know, just give me this barbecue. <laughs> I, I had two full meals. You know, people are looking at me. I said, I know, I eat like a junior high kid. I can't help it. <laughs> so that happened. Happened on Monday, Tuesday, you had a normal time of eating. Mm -hmm. And then Wednesday, no breakfast there, no lunch. You, know, yeah. you just come, come to back. Alpha at 6.30. And again, I just feel like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> baked ziti, give me that pan. <laughs> it was just so, oh, man. Great food, but just not enough of it. <laughs> well, any final takeaways? Um, <sighs> that's a no, I think. I, yeah, I was, I, I was fine, and it's finally hitting me. Yeah, talk about the Airbnb. We stayed at an Airbnb, <laughs> at my suggestion, uh, Daniel. Before we left, like a couple weeks before, two, three weeks maybe, he was like. Do you have any like hacks? Because all I'm finding is like either gross or like really expensive. And I was like, I don't know, if this is a hack, but you could look at an Airbnb. Um, and so we did, and we found we I think it was like eighty bucks a night, maybe a little. Wow, bit might have been a For bit more. All three of us might have been a little bit more, but um, my gosh, whatever it was, it was a, wow. it was not you know it was definitely less than we would have been paying for hotels. And we had like a four bedroom house, three bathrooms. There's a pool table. Bill beat both me and Daniel at pool. Um, <laughs> wow. And uh, really, awesome. really made a lot of money. This is <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just cleaning up, uh, inviting people from the conference. Hey. We, we, we weren't betting. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> I, I grew up with snacks. a pool table. So I'm, I'm rush, I don't know that I played in 20 years, but, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember this. Wow. Yeah. What other secret talents you got, Bill? Who knows? Just, <laughs> I feel like I have no talent at all in my life. And then someone hands you an accordion. And yeah, you... Or, yeah. yeah. The one thing I've done in life that came so naturally was tennis. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I remember the first time I ever played, Jerry Justice saw me play, and he says, so, Bill, how long have you been playing tennis? I said, oh, 
45 minutes? He says, no, no, no. I mean, when, when did you start? I said, 45 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that sport came real naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Man. The Airbnb was pretty nice. For those of you at home, Scott's eyes are like almost closed. <laughs> and he's just speaking so softly and leaning so far back in his chair. Well, so last week was just super busy. Yeah. And then... And then this week. And then, and that continued until Sunday. And then on Monday we left. Yeah. So there's been, there was a period of rest Sunday afternoon. Are you leading the small group tonight? I mean, oh, it's today's it, Thursday. It was last night. It happened. It's over. It's gone. It's all over. I don't need to worry, but I am doing the live stream tonight. Well, that'll be fine. You just go in there. Don't even use a guitar. Just pray just and then. clap. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I'm, I felt fine up until like. About when we started recording. And then it's just like, it was like the faucet's just like open and my brain started pouring out of my ear. That's all my shirt. So I'm, I need well, some rest. Listeners, yeah. if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions and would you rathers and all of your uh, brain. All of, <laughs> yeah, all of our brains are empty. And your brain, the podcast at bloomingdellschurch.org. That is all the time that we have this week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Max. Bill, take us home. You have been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast, brought to you from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. Take that, New York City. (laughs) 